You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Good evening and welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. <laughs> All right, we're going to be finishing up the book of Philippians, chapter number three tonight, uh, as we've been studying the Apostle Paul. And I want to preach tonight, teach tonight about living like you're from where you're going. Living like you're from where you're going. And just bear with me and we'll get there. In Philippians 3, we've been kind of studying the biography of the Apostle Paul. We see his past, his present, and his future throughout this chapter. And we've also studied some uh, interesting aspects of Paul's uh, ministry. In other words, he uh, he compares himself to a, to an accountant. If you remember, we preached a message about him do, learning doing the math, uh, learning how to figure, and learning how to reckon, and so forth. And he counted the things of his past life, but dung compared to winning Christ and for the knowledge of Christ. And so uh, we we saw him. He was the accountant. He also compares himself to the athlete, the athlete that's competing with spiritual vigor. Uh, he's running a race. He's trying to cross the finish line. He's he's running to uh, meet a goal. And then tonight, we're going to learn about Paul as the alien, Mm. the citizen of heaven, uh, looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. I better turn this off uh, of, uh, oh boy, Ah, never mind. Sorry, I meant to turn the phone on silent and I didn't, but I may be getting some texts. But anyway, um, the, the, uh, the, the citizen of heaven looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, all right. So first of all, where he starts with is, is showing and illustrating the spiritual mind that he has through Christ. Uh, he's looking at things on earth from God's point of view, looking at things on earth from God's point of view. And that's what we've got to learn to do. As a result, and this is really important, as a result of this, he is not upset by the things that are behind him or the things that are around him or the things that are before him. And if you just think about it, I think that's what the things that a lot of us struggle with. What's the th- Some people just can't get over the things that are behind them. Others, it's the things that are surrounding them right now, whether it's coronavirus or the, the politics and stuff surrounding that these days, uh, or what's before them. But man, when you've got a spiritual mind, when you learn by the grace of God to look at life through God's perspective, through heaven's point of view, it changes everything. And that's what the Apostle Paul learned to do. And we're going to learn just a little bit about that, how we can have a spiritual mind. Things, and if you're that way, then things will not rob you of your joy, right? So, so, so things will affect you differently. You must decide how things are going to affect you. It's your decision. How's it going to affect you? That's your choice. We're all going to have things. But if you have the right mindset, I'm telling you, you can overthink, overcome these things. You can get through these things by the grace of Almighty God. So without any further delay, let's get into these verses. Philippians chapter 3. I want to begin reading in verse number 15, and if, if you'll bear with me, when pay attention when we get down to verse number 18, verses 18 and 19 are actually in parentheses. The first time I read this, I'm going to read it uh, and skip the parenthetical verses just to get a grasp of, the, of, of what's being said. Then we'll come back and look at what's being said parenthetically. But uh, verse 15 in Philippians 3, 
Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Be thus minded. There's a certain mindset that we have to have. And if anything be if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an ensample. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he's able even to subdue all things unto himself. So, and then we'll go back and read the parenthetical part, because he says, follow me, get in the race with me. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll save those other two verses for just a moment. First of all, we'll look at this. He's concluding these verses with how are we going to uh, overcome? How are we going to get the right mindset? Well, first he issues a challenge in verse number 17. The Bible says, brethren, be followers together of me. So this is really cool. He's been talking about running a race in verse number 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high, high calling of God. That press toward the mark, it's stretching out as a runner, trying to cross the finish line, trying to get that extra push. So he's talking about running the race, but now he's saying, hey, don't just be a spectator. I want you to be involved. We're not to just be admirers, the apostle Paul is saying. Don't just be an admirer of me. He's saying, hey, be an athlete. Get in the game. Get in the race. This is the challenge that's being laid out before us. See, Paul isn't looking to be admired, but he's looking to inspire. We must learn, listen, we must learn to emulate great Christians, not just admire them. Every great Christian that you've ever heard of, including the Apostle Paul, were just normal people, just like us. The difference is they got in the race. The difference is they had a mind that they said, you know what? They, they, they looked at things through God's perspective and they said, I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to find God's purpose for my life and I'm going to fulfill that purpose and that calling. That's the challenge. Paul's not saying, hey, everybody, look how great I am. He's saying, no, get in here, get with me, run with me, pass me. I mean, get after it. That's the challenge that the Apostle Paul gives. Uh, so don't just admire great Christians, emulate great Christians. I'm telling you, understand this, when I'm, what I'm trying to say here, that the great Christians that we may admire, there's nothing necessarily special about them outside of the fact that they've just let God work through their life. Because I promise you, God can use you uh, if you let him to do great things. It's just, will you let him? Will you have that mindset? The challenge, the apostle Paul says, follow me. Hey, I'm running, but don't just sit there and watch me. Don't just say, oh, he's doing such a great job. Get after it, amen. Don't just share stories of, wow, this was such a great Christian. Be a great Christian. Be a difference maker. Do something for the glory of God. Amen. And by the grace of God, that's sure what I want to do. And it doesn't matter your age, whether you're uh, the youngest person listening to me or the oldest person listening to me. You may be a child listening tonight. I'm telling you, God has a course set out for you. He has a purpose for your life. If you're saved by the grace of God, let me tell you very clearly, God has a course just for you, a course 
for you. Man, get on it. Get after it. Start running. If you aren't saved, let me tell you something. He wants to save you today. If you got questions about that, please message me. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to know Christ as Savior. Uh, but so he gives a challenge, number one. Uh, number two, he gives a contrast. He gives a contrast. Number one, he gives a contrast of the saints. Uh, the saints, in other words, Christians. So not all Christians, he says, are living the same life. Not all Christians are the same. And obviously we're all different and we're supposed to be different, but he's talking about something in particular. In verse 15, he says, let us therefore be as many as be perfect. Understand this very clearly. This is not talking about sinless perfection. This talks about maturity. He's talking about that those of us, he's saying, those of us that are uh, mature in our thinking, mature in our Christian lives, uh, this is the mind that we have. He said, but there's some of you that are otherwise minded. So those who see perfect just simply means this, those who see things as they are. And when I say as they are, I mean from heaven's perspective and those that are otherwise minded. Now, here's a good question. How can you make sure that you've got the right mind set and that you think correctly? Here's a good question. Do you run your thoughts through the filter of scripture? Uh, or do you just do that which is right in your own eyes? Do you just do stuff and say, well, I hope God blesses this? Or do you think about, number one, do you think about your decisions and say, okay, what does God's word say about this? Do you think <laughs> about the things you're thinking about? In other words, don't just let your mind run wild. I mean, the Bible says, gird up the loins of your mind. Th when, when you're sitting thinking a thought, you need to stop and say, is this a scriptural thought? Does this agree with the word of God? Uh, and if it doesn't, you need to say, you know what? Perish the thought. I'm done with that. I'm going to bring it into captivity, as the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10. Um, otherwise minded. See, Here's a good way to tell. Are you spiritually minded or are you carnally minded? Here's a good question. It's not too hard to tell. Here's the question. What are you running after? You're in a race. What are you running after? What are you pursuing? What is your goal? What is it that you're trying to attain? What is it? Now, does that align with the word of God? Does that align with God's will for your life? If it's not, uh, I'm telling you, man, you need to get it right because as we're going to see here in a minute, man, it broke Paul's heart to think about people that aren't seeing things for what they are. I, th I thought about this just a moment ago, just right before we recorded, I started going to go live here. I started thinking about this. Don't spend your life chasing the devil's decoys. You know what a decoy is? A decoy, a decoy, well, this is a decoy. This is a Jenny. Isn't she pretty? That's a Jenny. And so... Uh, this Jenny is uh, something you set up for uh, to attract a Tom turkey, a big old Tom, all right? You set this girl up out there, and uh, boy, she is pretty, and then, then you get some other senses involved and she sounds pretty. She's a sweet talker. She's a gorgeous girl. Uh, I mean, here she is. She is Jenny. And so uh, you'll see these Tom turkeys, and they'll be out there going after a real Jenny, a real life Jenny, a real turkey. But you'll start making that little sweet call and you got this girl sitting over there. Then all of a sudden that Tom starts thinking to himself, why would I put in the work chasing after this Jenny when, that, when this Jenny is just sitting up there still? 
and just there she is. I can just go get her. And so uh, it's, a, it's a decoy though. The devil puts out these decoys. The devil says, here's the easy way. You gotta be, you gotta be careful about listening, following your senses, what you see and what you hear. We've gotta go by the word of God because I'm telling you what those decoys lead to is getting your guts pumped full of lead real quick. And when you follow the devil, the end of it is destruction. And so don't follow the devil's decoys. I mean, be, beware of following your senses. Follow the word of God, all right? And so uh, he, he, he give, gives a contrast here between saints, those that are heavenly minded, spiritually minded, those that are carnally minded. The, to be carnally minded is death. Man, don't be fooled into chasing after the, the, the emptiness of this world because I'm telling you, that's all that's left there. Uh, invest your life into the spiritual. Invest your life into what matters. Uh, and, and that's going to matter years from now. Don't fall for the decoys. Okay, so he contrasts the saints. Then quickly, he also contrasts the sinners. He contrasts sinners. Uh, verse, And this is where we get into the parenthetical verses that I skipped earlier. Verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So there we have that again, who mind earthly things. Now, the sinners. Now, this is an amazing thing, folks. The Apostle Paul, he's been writing this letter. And I just want you to, let's, let's go for a moment into that Roman prison cell with the Apostle Paul. Shall we? Listen, so, so we go in there. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's chained to a Roman soldier with this hand. With his hand, this hand, perhaps he's writing these words, and he's been writing the book of Philippians, and man, he's been just with, I mean, the, just a glitter in his eye, gleam in his eye, and a, and a smile on his face as he just fervently is writing these words down. Then all of a sudden, the Roman soldier notices that his countenance changes. His writing pauses. And then goes back in uh, very carefully. And, the, and the, the Roman soldier looks over at the Apostle Paul and tears are just streaming down his face. The Romans, uh, Paul puts down his pen and with his shackled hand uh, reaches up and begins to wipe some of those tears away from his face. I can just imagine the Roman soldier just maybe with some sympathy looking over at the Apostle Paul and saying, boy, man, it's pretty hard being locked up here, isn't it? And I can imagine Paul saying, well, yeah, but that's not it. Well, are, are, you're probably worried about facing death, aren't you? I mean, you're probably some of that. No, Paul says, I, I, I'm not afraid of that. That's not what it is. Are you missing friends? Are you missing family? Or, you know, what is it, man? You're, you're upset. And here's what he says. Paul says, no, it's my enemies. My enemies. That's what I'm weeping about. Then the Roman soldier says, you know what? I get it. I get it. Uh, but don't worry. They're going to get their just desserts. They're going to get what's coming to them. Paul says, no, no, no. You've got it wrong again. I'm not praying because of my enemies. I'm not praying about my enemies. I'm praying for my enemies. Their end is destruction. I mean, man, you talk about uh, a heart. You, you talk about a man who understood uh, spiritual warfare. We battle not with flesh and blood. These enemies of the cross, these enemies, he wept for these enemies. How about you? Uh, man, let me tell you something here real quick. If, you're, if you've got bitterness in your heart, you better get it out in a hurry because it is absolute poison. He wept over his enemies. But what, what is these enemies? There's a lot of things to understand about this, but I want to say this. Paul 
always, you read the epistles, there were always these people that were working against the work of God. And you want to know something very, very uh, serious? These people were most often religious people. These were the church people. They were often religious leaders. They were the Judaizers. They were the people who said, they, they added to, they said, sure, you can be saved by grace, but then you need to add the law to go along with that. So they added to salvation. In addition to that, they, they said, physically speaking, the males, uh, male Gentiles that were saved would have to be circumcised. They talked about all of this stuff. I mean, listen, uh, Paul warned about these mm -hmm. enemies, and there are still enemies out there of the cross. There's enemies out there of the gospel. There's enemies out there of this work, and they go by religious names and titles. But I'm telling you, they do what they, they can to uh, discourage people from being a part of this church or, or, or to hear this message. What are we preaching? Just the word of God. We're not caught up on all these traditions and so forth. We're just trying to preach what thus saith the Bible, what God God says we want people to know the truth and to be set free because of it. But anyway, he 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 contrasted here these enemies. Everything that the Judaizers, in other words, Judaizers, it's Judaism. So they were trying to blend Christianity and Judaism. And so, uh, but everything they, they, they advocated had been eliminated mm -hmm. by the death of Christ on the cross. Basically, the contrast between these sinners is the contrast between grace and works. Uh, and so uh, he, he understood that their end was destruction, which means uh, we, we, the, the word perdition comes along with that. But it means uh, it carries the idea of waste, lostness. Again, the son of perdition is what Judas was called. Uh, and so he begins the message with, number one, a challenge. Number two, a contrast. Number three, he talks about citizenship. And this is where I got the title, Li living like you're from where you're going. Living like you're from where you're going. Citizenship. Notice what the Bible says in verse 20. It says, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Greek word translated conversation means citizenship. And is the word from which we actually get our, word, our English word politics. It has to do with one's behavior as a citizen of a nation. Paul is encouraging us to have a spiritual mind. And he does this by pointing out the characteristics of the Christian whose citizenship is in heaven. Now, remember, the whole background of Philippians is really cool for this illustration. Because Philippi was a Roman colony. It was formerly a Greek city named after, uh, you know, Philip of Macedonia, Alexander the Great's dad. Uh, so it was a Greek uh, city, but now since Rome had taken over, it had, it had become a colony of Rome. And uh, it was kind of a Rome away from Rome. Okay, sorry. Anyway, uh, so just as Philippi was a colony of Rome on foreign soil, so even though it was on foreign soil, it was still considered to be, it's just like an embassy. You know, the embassies in D.C. or U.S. embassies in other countries. Wherever that embassy is at, that is actually United States soil at that particular point. And that's how this was. So, uh, just as Philippi was a a colony, a Roman soil, a colony on foreign soil. The church, folks, the church is a colony of heaven on earth. We listen. I am glad that I'm an American. I really am. I love my country. I really do. Uh, thank God for America. Uh, but I'm telling you, I'm, I've got a dual citizenship. I am a citizen of this country, but I'm also a citizen of that country, and I'm foremost a citizen of that country, uh, that heavenly country. 
And that's what he's saying here. Our citizenship is in heaven. And therefore, uh, we need to look at earth from heaven's point of view. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. We need to learn to occupy our minds with things that are above. Christians, again, have a dual citizenship on earth and in heaven. Our citizenship in heaven ought to make us better people on earth. The spiritually minded believer is not attracted by the things of this world. We understand that the things of this world are passing. We should make our decisions on the basis of eternal values, not on the passing fads of society. Think about Lot. Lot chose the well-watered plain of Jordan because his values were worldly, and ultimately he lost everything. It looked good. Remember, he followed the decoy. It looked good, but he lost everything. Moses, listen to this, Moses refused the pleasures and the treasures of Egypt because he had something infinitely more wonderful to live for. Amen. Can you deny the pleasure and the treasures of this earth for something greater? Uh, I hope so, because there is something greater. All right. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we are ambassadors. We are representatives of heaven while we're on this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. In our country, in our country, the streets are paved with gold. The walls are of Jasper. The gates are made of pearl. A rainbow, a rainbow circled throne, a crystal stream, foundations ablaze with gems. Many mansions and the tree of life are there. That's my country. Sickness, death, pain do not haunt our country's streets and no hospitals, prisons, asylums, or retirement homes can be found in our country up in heaven. Fadeless day is eternally bathed in the sunshine of God's smile. No sobs, no sighs are ever heard, just anthems of praise, doxologies of bliss, songs expressing joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah, amen, my country, amen. Since the Lord saved me, I'm a, I'm a citizen of heaven. And the Bible's saying, therefore, you ought to live like it. Your conversation, your behavior, your citizenship is in heaven, therefore, live like like your citizenship is in heaven. See, right now, we are pilgrims and strangers in a foreign land. This world is not our final home. We are, we are here as heaven's ambassadors. Every night, we pitch our tent a march, a day's march closer to home. Whenever I pillow my head tonight, and whenever you lay down your head tonight, you're one day closer to heaven than you were yesterday. Amen. We're marching to Zion, praise God, and we're on there. Just keep on a margin. Just keep going. We, we're, we are never to forget, even for a moment, where our citizenship and where our allegiance lies. And uh, the, the thought of that fair land and its glorious King Jesus will influence our dress and our deportment. It will help determine what we say, where we go, how we behave, what pleasures we permit, how we invest our talent, what we do with our money, how we treat other people 
people and the amount of time we spend in worship, service, Bible study, and prayer. We're citizens of another country. That's what the Bible's saying. He's saying live like it. See, did you know this? The Bible says that our names are written in heaven. Now, these, these Philippians would have understood this terminology very well he, because, again, they were a Roman colony. Even though they were on foreign soil, they, were, they represented Rome there. But it was very important when a baby was born, if you were privileged to be a, a Roman citizen, I mean, what, close to half the empire was slaves, uh, and, and so many more were formerly freed slaves. I mean, a, a citizenship of Rome was a very valuable and fairly rare thing to have. But I'm telling you, so when a, when a child was born, if they, if they were uh, people that were blessed this way, Paul actually was, to have their, it was important that their name get on the record so that they can prove for the rest of their lives. I am a Roman citizen. We've seen earlier, and you go read the book of Acts, Paul was able to use his Roman citizenship uh, to get out of some trouble. But the Bible says, praise God, in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, that your name is written in heaven. Hallelujah. When I was born again, when I was born into the family of God, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, my name was written down. Hallelujah. And so was yours. And I love what it says when the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, rejoice not because the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I, listen, that word written there is in the, is in the perfect tense. The verbiage, it's in the perfect tense, and it means once for all. <laughs> it's written, and it stands written. When you were saved, your name was written down, praise God. And so if, if you're saved, and, and by the way, that's going to be what, when, when those that, that stand before Christ at the great white throne judgment, the Bible says he's going to see, is your name in the book of life? Is it in the Lamb's book of life? And if it's not, the Bible says they'll be cast into the lake of fire. Hey, get your name written down. Praise God, my name was written down when I trust. Christ. So our names are on heaven's record. We speak heaven, we speak heaven's language, right? If you're from another country, you're able to speak that language. We need to make sure that we keep speaking our language. There's nothing wrong with an ambassador, and an ambassador should learn the language for the country that he's in, but he should never forget his own language. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that uh, I, th I think about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think about uh, other nationalities that have been captured or whatever, and one of the things, they, they wouldn't allow them to to speak their language because they want to divorce them from uh, who they are and their identity. Language is important. But so listen, we have an we have a heavenly language, amen? Uh, just bear with me, Pentecostals. I'm not talking in that sense, all right? We should speak in a manner that glorifies God. The Bible says, let your speech be always, see, always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. A Christian should never have to say, now take this with a grain of salt. The Bible says we need to season it before we speak, amen? There needs to be purity and preservation in the things that we say. Uh, we need to learn, the Bible says, God set a, set a guard uh, before my mouth, amen? Help me uh, to be, be careful about what I say. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The things that we say should build people up edify them. 
And so we speak a heavenly language. We obey heaven's laws. We can never forget that. Amen. Uh, uh, that's why he said, follow me. But not only that, but we ought to be loyal to heaven's cause. We're, we're representatives in this country called earth. And while we're here, we need to make sure that we remember the cause, not only the laws, but the cause. What's the cause? Folks, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is the theme of the Bible. It's the heart of the gospel. And it's the chief source of praise in heaven. The cross is the proof of God's love for sinners and God's hatred for sin. The cross condemns the world's values and it judges mankind and pronounces the verdict guilty. We must stay true to the cause, amen. The cross of Christ, amen. Telling people what Jesus did, the, the price, the penalty of sin, but praise God, the, the, the opportunity to be saved from our sins by what Jesus did by dying on the cross and rising again on the third day. Fourthly and quickly, the coming. Amen. What, what are the things that are going to help us have the right mind? What's the things that's going to help us living, living like we're from where we're going, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice what the Bible says there in verse 20. For, for our conversation is in heaven from whence we look. The, 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 the phrase there, from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, it means to look eagerly. It means to be attentive. That's what it means to, to wait, to wait eagerly for. Okay. So as the athlete, Paul discovered new values as the accountant, I'm sorry, as the accountant, he discovered new values as the athlete, he displayed new vigor, but as the alien, as far as, uh, <laughs> it wasn't alien in that sense, a, a lady, he's from another country. He experiences a new vision. We look for the savior. Amen. I preached about that Sunday. We're looking for the savior. We're waiting in anticipation folks. Jesus is coming. Amen. There's tremendous energy in the present power of a future hope. I'll say that again. There's tremendous energy in the present power of a future hope because Abraham looked for a city. He was content to live in a tent. Because Moses looked for the rewards uh, of, uh, of God, uh, because he looked for the rewards of heaven, he was willing to forsake the treasures of Egypt. A future hope, the present power of a future hope. The citizen of heaven living on earth is not discouraged because we know that our Lord is going to return. Amen. So in the meantime, we just need to be faithfully doing what the Lord said. During World War II, uh, Pacific's Pacific, the Pacific Campaign, General Douglas MacArthur was located on the island of Corgeter where he oversaw more than 90,000 American and Filipino troops in the battle against the Japanese. FDR commanded MacArthur to leave. When MacArthur reluctantly left, and it's a great story if you follow up on it, but when he reluctantly left, MacArthur vowed before he left, I shall return. I'm coming back. He did not want to leave his soldiers. He did not want to leave those people that had joined in to fight with them. On October 20th, 1944, he fulfilled his plans and stepped ashore with the whole world watching. And here's what he proclaimed. People of the Philippines, I have returned. By the grace of Almighty God, our forces stand again on Philippine soil. My point is, he said, I shall return, and he did return. When Jesus left, he said, I shall return. 
praise God, the day is coming that he's going to say, I have returned, amen, because he's coming again, all right? And so may we not live for the things of this world, but anticipate the blessings of the world to come. This means that what we do today is governed by what Christ will do in the future, all right? And then lastly tonight, the thing that'll help us with this mind mindset is verse 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So when he comes again, we're going to get a glorified body. Amen. We are going to be changed. So what's going to help us have that right mind? First, the challenge, get in the race. Number two, the contrast. Where, where, where do you line up? Where's your mindset? Are you otherwise minded? Are you spiritual? Minded. Are you making decisions based on the Word of God, based on the future, or uh, are, are, you, are you chasing decoys? Are you living like you're from where you're going? I mean, think about your citizenship in heaven, where your name's written down, and then the fact that he's coming again and we will be changed. Well, thank you so much. That wraps up chapter three of the book of Philippians. We'll start next Wednesday in chapter number four. So we look forward to that and uh, tune in for other things. Be sure and follow, like, share the page if you would. And I hope you all have a great evening. Get into the word of God, amen. It'll change your life. If you don't know Christ, please don't go to bed tonight without making sure that you know him. God bless you and have a good evening.